And I assume you know who we are. You're elder, the Apache. Well, <laughs> Warren, if you heard of us, you probably heard we ain't in the prisoner taking business. We in the killing Nazi business. And cousin businesses are booming. <laughs> what is up, everybody? My name is Jake, and this is another episode of The Rotten Pea, which is four friends reviewing movies you absolutely should have already seen. I'm here with three of my friends. I'm friend number two. <laughs> friend number four. I'm friend number 12, unfortunately. Mm. We had to sub him in. Yeah, there's a long list of people that Jake likes more than me. Mm-hmm. And so, but you know what? They I'm, were busy to me. I'm <laughs> proud to be 12. Mm-hmm. We've had to sub him in for every episode. Yeah, yeah the people I like don't really like me. So <laughs> I, I can't get him in. <laughs> still can't get Brad Pitt to come on this. Yeah. <laughs> or Danny. Danny Ocean. Ackroyd. <laughs> Danny Ackroyd. <laughs> The fictional character, <laughs> Danny Ocean, will not come on the podcast. <laughs> I thought we had him lined up. We'll have to get, uh, we'll have to check with Dan Green. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. Is he, is he sure. also getting guests on the podcast? Yeah. For us? He's he our should booker. Be. He's, He's yeah. doing a lot that we have not told him about. <laughs> Dan, thank you for all the work you do for us here at uh, RP. Yeah. It, rotten Potatoes just wouldn't exist without Dan. So, well, hey, today we're doing uh, Inglorious Bastards. Uh, I'm sure most people would recognize it just by that uh, by that audio clip, clip alone. Um, but this was uh, directed by Quentin Tarantino, writ- written also by Quentin Tarantino. It was released August 21st, 2009. Uh, it did $321 million in box office on a $70 million budget. So That's pretty good. Great ROI. Solid. Uh, the other guys gave this an 89%. Uh, IMDb gave it an 8.3. Uh, it won uh, only one Academy Award. Uh, best Supporting Actor for Christoph Waltz. I think it was nominated for what, like eight or something? It was nominated for Best Picture, Best Screenplay, Best Director, Best Cinema, Cinematography, Best Sound Mixing, Best Film Editing, and Best Sound Editing. Wow. I, I feel like it could have won some more. It could have. It could have. But, but I mean, Christoph Waltz uh, deserved it. Yeah. I just want more of that guy in everything. <laughs> I wonder what movie beat Inglorious Bastards for Best Picture. Uh, I don't remember. What year was it? 2009? 2009. I think it was uh, Independence Day 2. Oh, yeah. Resurgence, yeah. That was released in 2009. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and they, Will Smith was busy that year, so <laughs> couldn't get on. <laughs> So, Jake, why uh, why did you nominate this film? So it's funny. Like I watching this movie, um, I I remember watching it just once before, and I remember liking it. And it's you know it's a Quentin Tarantino movie, so like any excuse to make us all sit down and watch one. Um, but it wasn't initially one of my favorites, and then sitting down and watching it again, I loved it like so much more this time. Um, yeah, it's just I was I was riveted the whole time. I liked the uh, the nice like juxtaposition of like this like really serious and sometimes like terrifying like story of this like poor girl in nazi occupied france to this much more silly brad pitt led nazi killing i don't know how i would describe (laughs) it uh zach you asked the question uh hurt locker won best picture that year hmm uh yeah there was actually a lot of nominations that year uh, so we had Hurt Locker, Avatar, Blindside, District 9, An Education, Inglorious, Precious, A Serious Man, the Coen Brothers movie, and Up. Oh, and Up in the Air were all <laughs> nominated for Best I was hoping picture. it was just Up. I, um, I just found out right now that they don't have the same amount of nominations every year. Like, yeah, now they have like 10. Yeah, right? not necessarily. Like, it kind of... It like they, I think the Academy works like they have to get a certain amount of people nominating it and then it will be nominated. Like, so a certain, hmm. a, a certain threshold of, of people in the Academy have to nominate. How movie. many people are in the Academy? I have no idea. I'm I pretty sure like the Academy 12. is. It sounds like at least 10. <laughs> I, yeah. I think the Academy is like, it's essentially a guild. Like, so it's comprised of pretty much everyone in the film industry. Mm. Like, my uncle was actually part of uh, uh, SAG for a while, and so he got to, like, nominate movies for SAG Awards. Mm. 
So, yeah. Anyway. I have a confession to make. I have uh, not one time in my life watched the Oscars. So Really? I watch yeah. it every year. Yeah. It's Zach's Super Bowl. It really is. I mean, judging by Twitter, I could, I could yeah. tell. I want to be in one of those guilds. I wouldn't even necessarily like vote. I just want to get sent all the screeners. Yeah. I, I feel like we sweet. could yeah. spin it. You know, like we have a very successful movie podcast now, right? Like 40 a week. Yeah. Brad Pitt's a maybe. Yeah, Danny's true. a maybe. Da- Danny, <laughs> Danny Aykroyd is like a, a solid maybe. I feel like that's Danny, enough to Danny get Danny us Ocean into one of those like, guilds. <laughs> yeah. Do you think we can get uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's brother Jason on here? <laughs> that was an old callback that apparently Jake and Zach did not remember. <laughs> no, I don't know. <laughs> to 500, 500 days, days of summer. summer. I, I said Scott. Jason Gordon-Levitt instead of Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Do you just get everyone's name wrong all the time? Yeah. <laughs> no, Scott just gives people nicknames that he's never met. <laughs> well, you know, it helps me remember them. Sweet callback. You wouldn't have remembered apparently. Joseph Gordon-Levitt if you didn't call him Jason? No, I tried to recall his name and I called him Jason. All so right. obviously I wouldn't have. All right, let's move on. Yeah, moving right along. Uh, Zach, you'd seen this movie before. I have, yeah. What do you think rewatching? Uh, I loved it. Yeah. I love it every time I see it. I've seen this movie a ton of times. Yeah. Uh, it's by far my favorite Quentin Tarantino movie. Everything about it works. Um, in fact, you and I were just talking the other day about uh, Quentin Tarantino, and we kind of compared this to Django. And they're both great, both epic, but this just feels a little bit more like polished and pristine. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> uh, I love it. I think it's funny. I think it's engaging. I think uh, the characters are great, memorable, really well-written, unique. Um, there's not a single thing about this movie that I don't just love. I uh, Similarly, I, I, I've seen this movie a ton. Uh I think I've seen this movie in theaters more than any other movie. Really? Uh, Like I saw this like three or four times in like regular theaters and then me and a buddy and like, I mean just other people, like I drove down to uh, Orange County. There's like a dollar theater in Orange County, uh, $1 movies and they were carrying Inglorious for a while. And so I probably saw it. I probably saw it eight or 10 times in theaters. Wow. I was not allowed to watch this movie in theaters. <laughs> yeah. I was definitely older. Uh, I was allowed. <laughs> I was living on my own at the time. So What's date, that like? date me. Uh, so yeah, I, I absolutely love it. Uh, that prior to seeing this movie, um, I had really only seen uh, Reservoir Dogs and Kill Bill. And I was so turned off by Kill Bill that like, I just thought like, oh, I don't like Quentin Tarantino. And when I saw this film, it was, it just blew me away. Absolutely blew me away. And I really feel like it's held up over time. Uh, so rewatching it again, uh, I've watched it several other times over the years, but rewatching it again uh, for this podcast, like I was just really impressed with how well it held up over my time of watching this, you know, mm-hmm. like, uh, you know, 10 years later, it's still, or 11 years later, it still like captures my, my attention. So I wish that I had looked this up a little bit before, um, before doing this, but I'm pretty sure I read somewhere that Quentin Tarantino said that after he had watched, I want to say David Fincher's Zodiac, mm. he was inspired to step up his game and he was like, I, I like I need to step up my game essentially. Um, and then his next movie was Inglorious Bastards, and you can see the difference between like his stuff before and then Inglorious. Oh, absolutely! It just feels like a step up. Yeah, it's a lot tighter. Yeah, uh, yeah. Scott, you were our late bloomer. Yep. So, what was your uh, what was your feedback? Do you guys want to do the whole guess what I thought thing, or do you want to just go into it? Yeah, well, I kind of know because I well, watched Scott it and I live together, and yeah. so I we ended up we end up watching a lot of the movies together. Uh, but Zach and Jake, what you guys, what do you think Scott thought of Inglorious? I think Scott probably really liked it. Yeah, I think he really liked it too. I don't know. I can't think of anything about this movie to not like. Yeah. Well, let's have it, Scott. I did enjoy it. I definitely wouldn't put it as my top. Um, Tarantino movie. I think Django mm-hmm. is better. Uh, I would probably still put this higher than Pulp Fiction. I wasn't mm-hmm. a, the hugest fan of Pulp Fiction, but it was good. So yeah, I I hated Kill Bill as well. 
I that's what made me think I would never like Tarantino movies. Yeah. You know, it's funny you guys keep talking about Kill Bill. I was reading that uh, apparently Quentin Tarantino was working on this for a long time before uh, he actually put it out. And he was, you'd started working on this before he started working on Kill Bill and couldn't think of a good ending. And so he decided to just do Kill Bill in the meantime <laughs> and then put this out later. That's funny. So it was a, like Kill Bill was just basically like, uh, I'm sort of into this and it'll pass the time. Yeah. I mean, maybe, I don't know, but it just <laughs> like he had to put it off because he wanted to save it for a good ending. Mm. Just writer's block. He had to get into a different project to come back. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I liked it. Uh, I really like Christoph Waltz. Uh, I want to see him in more things. Um, he was my favorite part of Django and he was probably my favorite part of Inglorious as well. Yeah. Yeah. He's a, he's a, a force to be reckoned with as an actor. Like I, I can't imagine many people being more, uh, like riveting to watch as an actor than him. Like as soon as he starts talking, like it's his facial expressions, it's his like intonation when he talks, like everything about him. It's just like, I, I can't not look at you. And there's something, I think he plays that character really well. And he's kind of done it in both movies. It's this character of, I know exactly what's going to happen. And so I'm mm. going to be very playful in the way that I do things. Mm -hmm. And so I think he just plays that character really well. That's interesting. Yeah, he is super. Uh, he's a chess player mm -hmm. in he's, both yeah, movies. He's always completely in control of the situation. Yeah, yeah. Up until the end. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like I, I can't picture Christoph Waltz playing just a normal guy. He kind of like exists perfectly in Quentin Tarantino's like larger than life character universe. Mm hmm. Well, uh, let's jump in a little bit to the play-by-play. -play. Jake, do you want to try and take this away? Yeah, yeah. So we start <clears throat> at a, a dairy farm in Nazi-occupied France, and um, there's a dairy farmer outside chopping wood when uh, the SS rolls up, and it's Christoph Waltz is coming in, and he is kind of explaining in just this, like, really amazing, really, like, tense dialogue they're having about how he's come in here to France. Hitler sent him to France, too hunt down all the Jews that are left. Mm. And he knows so much about everything that's happening already. Like you feel like he, he knew exactly why he was coming here. Like he wasn't surprised when he asked him, he's like, are you hiding enemies of the state? And he's like, yeah, like there's just nothing he could do. Yeah. Um, and he brings in the Nazis and he just shoots them through the floorboards. But one girl gets away and he's like chasing after her and hesitates and just doesn't, doesn't take the shot. Yeah. Uh, which first time watching it, I thought it was weird. But then I guess watching it this time, it was kind of like, oh, that makes sense with what he does later. You mm. know? Uh, but that, I love this scene. Like, it might be my favorite part of the movie. So, wait, are you thinking that uh, his not taking the shot on Shoshana, that, like, the end of the movie and the beginning of the movie, he's playing this long game the whole time. Well, I'm just thinking that he has some sort of reservations. Cause like, even the way he's talking, like when he's like, Oh, Hitler took me out of the Alps to do this. And like, he just seems almost resentful. Yeah. Yeah. And like, and like, he he's just like, can't be bothered to take the shot on her. You know, it's kind of what it seems like. I feel like, and like later in the movie, I feel like you see him and like, there's signs that he knows that she who is who she is when they meet later. Right. And so it's just kind of like, I feel like he's got this like, doubt or like like already like thinking about you know maybe turning coat you know? yeah 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 he you're right he does seem like he's exceptionally good at his job and he takes a lot of pride and joy in being good at his job but he doesn't like this job yeah and like he that gosh i was just thinking about this scene i love it like i was so tense and just like like my whole body was just clenched up watching it even though i had seen it I'd seen this scene a few times because like I started to watch it and then I had to go do other things or whatever. Uh, and then I always meant to come back and watch it again, but I've seen it a bunch of times and I'm still so scared. And I'm still so nervous just because he's <laughs> so intimidating. Yeah, he really is. Except for when he, uh, like, so, uh, the farmer, uh, asks if he can smoke his pipe and he says, of course, this is your house. And then a little bit later he asks, can I smoke my pipe? And he pulls out this comically large. Yeah. Like, I don't know where he was. It was already packed. <laughs> like mm -hmm. he was ready to pull out just, I don't know where he was hiding it. So I think something that I love about Christoph Waltz in this and in Django is both his characters are so respectful. 
Yeah. And so polite. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it kind of makes like even Londa, like you can't help but just kind of like him. Yeah. At least love watching him. But even like if you, it's just like, we could have just a pleasant conversation if I had no idea what you did for a living. Like right. if I existed in this universe and just happened to like start talking to you in a bar, you would be like such a polite conversation to have. Yeah, he's like he's even asking uh, what's his name, Lepidit, the the French. Yeah. he's like, do I have your permission to switch to English? Yeah, like, can exactly. We talk there? And complimenting his daughters yeah. and the milk and uh, everything. Yeah, yeah, and even the way that he uh, tries to like draw down this like really ugly comparison of of mm-hmm. Jews and rats. Like even the way he does it, like has like some like uh, like it's almost poetic. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he Shoshana gets away, and and that's sort of the end of the first chapter, uh, and we pick up with our next chapter, uh, which is Lieutenant Aldo Rain, and he is recruiting eight, I think, uh, Jewish-born uh, American soldiers to go and kill Nazis, and like, he, <laughs> they're in the the killing Nazi business, <laughs> and they all owe him one hundred Nazi scalps by the end of the war, um, and we get this like cool actually is it the scene right after this one where they've captured that patrol yeah we get that you forgot to mention that like in this group of jews is uh ryan from the office ryan howard from the office (laughs) (laughs) and then one of the kids from freaks and geeks i have not seen one of the geeks i don't know his name but he's in freaks and geeks okay yeah that Ryan, like Ryan looked so out of place to me. Like I wasn't even a big office fan, but like looking at him, like you just look like such a doofus. Also, I, I think his name is Paul Rust, but he's in the show Love on Netflix. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah and yeah. he's one of them too. Yeah. Mm. It's funny that you say that. Cause I love BJ Novak in this, in this film. I think he's hilarious. I think he's really funny in it too. But at the same time I look at him and like every time I looked at him, I just wanted to laugh. He like throughout the entire movie, you're kind of like, why'd they get BJ Novak? He doesn't have any lines. He doesn't do anything. And then he has a couple lines at the end that are really funny. Yeah. Oh yeah. And it's like, that was like just for that joke. Right. Great payoff. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. like most of the movie, he's just sitting there kind of straight faced yeah. and like, you just, I don't know, not used to seeing him that way. They call me the small man, <laughs> the little man. <laughs> yeah. The little man. You're and much you, bigger than man. I uh, expected you to be. <laughs> they call me the little man. <laughs> just like, um, but then we we got to them and they've captured a Nazi patrol and we get this like cool introduction to Hugo Stiglitz, which I love in movies. And I feel like Quentin Tarantino does this where they just like, like smash cut to him and then like throw his name up onto the screen. It's, it's a huge, ridiculous Tarantino font yeah. and like this like electric guitar. Yeah. It's, I, I love when that happens. I love it too. Uh, and then they show him he was like this uh, Nazi who had basically just killed what, like 10 or 15 Nazi officers. I think 13. I yeah. think he I think he was a he was a German enlisted that killed 13 SS and Gestapo officers. And they ju- they just show this montage of him just brutally murdering Nazis. <laughs> and there was a, a funny trivia. The actor that played him, I forget, I'm blanking on his name now. Um but apparently he's German born and didn't want to ever put on a Nazi uniform in a movie, but he agreed on the condition that he got to kill a Nazi in every single scene where he's wearing one. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. One of my favorite lines is, um, and I'm going to butcher it a little bit, but when the the bastards go to break Hugo out of jail and Brad Pitt says something to the extent of like, uh, we think you show great potential, mm-hmm. but we want to know if you're ready to go pro. Oh yeah. I like, I love that scene too. Cause they're all just like standing there and then there's like a guy struggling on the floor and then they just shoot him <laughs> yeah. and then he keeps talking. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, and we just were introduced then to uh, the Bear Jew. <laughs> Donnie Donowitz. Yeah, who, because Aldo is, um, he's trying to get the uh, like the location of a different uh, like group of Nazis out of this officer. And he's interrogating him. And I, I love that scene too, where he's like, I mean, I know he's being a little bit offensive, but he's like, if you ever want to eat a sauerkraut sandwich again, <laughs> yeah, just the way he says it. put your wiener schnick, wiener schnitzel licking finger on this here map. <laughs> sauerkraut sandwich. Um, he refuses to give it up. So they bring out Donnie Donowitz to, uh, as the, the German says, beat Germans to death with a club played by Eli Roth. Yeah. Fun fact about uh, Scott, he thought the bear Jew was a real person until he saw this movie. He is a real person. He's like Santa Claus. 
you you were telling us about something kind of interesting because actually well, this can wait till later in the movie. It'll All make right. more sense to do it then. Dude, nice tease. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was it was funny though that Jake that you brought up that that fact about uh, Till Schweiger, uh-huh. who plays yeah, uh, the Donny or Stiglitz. Stiglitz, um, because uh, in Germany it's still very like uh, like faux pas, y- faux pas to like even really talk much about Nazism and you know. Uh, and you know, it's against the law to own like something with a swastika on it. Like it's like very, like it's a very big deal there. Like I was there a while back and like accidentally, like we were, we were on a train and something happened. I was like, man, these, these people are real Nazis about this. And like, like a bunch of people in the train, like looked over at me and I was like, Oh, (laughs) Wrong crowd. Yeah, like, like that's just something that, like, in America that we would say, you know, like yeah. uh, an adjective that we would use, but not, you know, not okay there. But uh, Inglorious Bastards was still chart topping, uh, like it was the the biggest film in Germany when it was released. Really, really, yeah. Like they Germans loved it. It's funny too because like they I was probably would have liked this history more. Yeah. Well, that, and that's like, <laughs> <laughs> and that's kind of like Tarantino's like thing, right? Like revisionist history. Like yeah. he's really done that a lot. And, and like the way Hitler is portrayed in the movie, I think is hilarious. Like he's just so like not in control and mad about it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's interesting that you say like that they're so like, they take so seriously like swastikas being on things. And uh, there was a swastika on the yeah, the gas station bathroom toilet that I used yesterday. Oh, right. Kind of common to see around here in America sometimes. Yeah, yeah, it it is. Yeah. But uh, but I think Tarantino uh, won over Germans, including like Till Schweiger, because like not only did he get really great Germans to be in this movie, like obviously mm-hmm. Christoph Waltz, Till Schweiger. Um, but even uh, Daniel Bruhl, this was the first time that I'd ever seen Daniel Bruhl. He plays uh, Private Zol- Zoller. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know, great uh, German actors, but also, uh, like, we hear talk about, like, this German filmmaker quite a bit uh, named uh, Reifenstahl. Like, they talk about, like, oh, Reifenstahl's films, blah, blah, blah. Like, Pitts Plow and all this different stuff. So much of this movie was actually filmed in Berlin at the legendary uh, Babelsberg studio. So, like, Tarantino really, like, tried hard to, like, win over Germans in making this. And, like, aside from the Nazi aspect, like, like really uh, paid high respect to a lot of German culture. Mm-hmm. And especially German cinema. Oh, yeah. It's funny. I was reading, I think only 30% of this movie is in English. Uh, it's like... Really? Only 30? Yeah, that's what wow. I, was, I was reading in some trivia. Uh, the rest is like French and German. I was watching this with my wife, and she ended up really loving the movie. But before uh, Hans Landa asks if he could switch to English, she just goes... This whole thing <laughs> subtitles. <laughs> that was maybe another one of my frustrations watching it initially. Is I don't I don't like reading subtitles because I feel like I don't look at uh, the movie enough. You're not but watching gotten, the movie. I've gotten so used to it because like my girlfriend's Indian and, and so I watched a bunch of Indian movies. So I'm used to watching movies where I have no idea what anybody's saying. <laughs> so you've gotten good at it now. Yeah, yeah. I, I figured it out. Uh, so, uh, jumping kind of back into a little bit of the, the play by play. Uh, so the, uh, the, the bastards are making a, a real name for themselves, even to the point that Hitler is, uh, interviewing. Well, yeah, they private butts. <laughs> yeah. Who and what is a private butts? <laughs> they're leaving people alive and, uh, rain Aldo rain is cutting swastikas into their heads because he's like, what are you going to do after the war? And they're like, you're going to take off that uniform. And then they're like, yeah, I'm going to burn it. And then he's like, I can't abide that. I'm going to give you something you can't take off. And then that's what Hitler's interviewing. He's like, why did they let you live? And he's like, you can't tell him. So I'm going to give you this. And then like Hitler has been interviewing all these people that have these swastikas just cut into their heads. And uh, so uh, we, we jump again back to Shoshana. And she, I don't know how she got this movie theater, but she is apparently owning and operating a movie theater. She says that it was left to her 
by her aunt. But we don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I guess that, like, if it's true or not. It seems weird because she tells Frederick Zoller, so and obviously she's not going to like tell him the truth. necessarily anything true. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I because Scott asked the same question, and I've just always I always just took it at face value that she escaped uh, southern France got up to Paris uh, and like escaped to her non-Jewish aunt and uncle. Yeah. I think either could be true. I guess I just assumed that if she was telling the truth, she would have hid with them before if that was an option, but maybe, yeah, maybe. I mean, it could very well have been that it was just someone who like, she got taken in by someone who was, you know, just Mm -hmm. a, a French patriot and, you know, that ended up dying and leaving her the cinema. Uh, but she is running a German movie night, and that attracts the interest of, uh, what's his name, Friedrich Zoller? Yeah. Who, she doesn't know who he is at this point, but he's apparently a German war hero. Uh, and he just wants to talk to her about the cinema, and she is having none of it. I think she's, I think he's into her as well. well yeah. Like, he's mm-hmm. hitting on her, and yeah. she's not, like, she obviously hates the the German soldiers. And I don't, I don't know what he was expecting really. Like, why was he like, they're occupying this country, but he is still so, I guess, sure of his own charms that he thinks he can win her over. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, my, uh, my presence here is a constant reminder of your life being in ruin, but come on. You want to go out sometime? Yeah. (laughs) I think that just shows how delusional he is. And maybe part of it too is like, I, he, I think he kind of assumes that she's like this huge cinema fan, which she probably is. Um, but then he kind of drops that like they're making a movie about him. Right. You know, and kind of like, hey, I'm going to be in this movie directed by uh, this Joseph guy. Goebbels. Yeah, Goebbels. Also, it's about me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so I think that he thinks that's going to like win some cool points. And it's interesting, like I got this by killing your allies. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I killed 300 of your allies. Mm-hmm. Aren't I great? Yeah. <laughs> but people are like like bothering him in restaurants and like like looking over walls just to try to see him and meet him. So mm-hmm. like he's the biggest thing in Germany apparently or France. Yeah. Yeah, probably both. Yeah. Yeah. So then a little bit later, um Shoshana gets taken pretty much (laughs) like forced into a car by this German officer and taken to this restaurant where uh, she's seated next to Frederick Zoller and he's at the table with Goebbels and his uh, French interpreter slash mistress friend with benefits. Yeah. And um, they're discussing actually switching uh, the venue of where they were going to show the movie's called Nation's Pride, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. This movie that they're making about Zoller, they're going to switch the venue to her cinema from the Ritz. Yeah. Uh, and they're like, he's interviewing her about all these things and like how many seats and like more boxes would be better. And then she's like, I, I didn't ask for this. And then they're like, Are you, this is the greatest honor of your life. Like you should be bending over backwards to show this movie. Uh, and then Zoller leaves and Hans Landa shows up and mm-hmm. I was like, it made me jump. Like I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm so scared for her. And like he, he's there and he's like ordering her schnitzel and he orders her a milk. No strudel. Oh yeah. Strudel. I'm sorry. Wait for the cream. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah. He orders himself like espresso. And then for her, just a glass of milk, which is just oh. like, that's like, I'm like, Oh, he knows. So do you guys think that he r- truly knows? Why would he order her a milk? I don't know, but how if would he, he know that was her? How would he recognize if her? He knew everyone that was in, uh, the bastards and, and the, the bear Jews and all them. And he knew all the Jews <laughs> that were <laughs> bear Jews, but they're like infamous. <laughs> like they're like fighting against them. Like yeah, this but, is just some like, how would he know their names and ranks? But like he knew every Jewish family in that area of France yeah. before he I think even it, showed up. And she probably really like knew exactly aunt. what she looked like, like all her features and everything like that and mannerisms. I think she really did go to her non-Jewish aunt and uncle, but he did his research and found out about it. And so he knew that it was her because it was that cinema. Yeah, because mm. he also like knows things about the cinema already that he's like asking her and she's confirming things yeah like so he definitely like did his research and i i think he knew i think that he makes a lot of sense knew. and i think he's playing it the whole time knowing that she's probably going to pull something hmm. and wants to help use that to yeah to to his advantage uh and so they have this m- most uncomfortable 
exchange. Yeah, and he's like, like again, like so polite and like, like even excited to share things with her. Like, oh, like try the try the strudel. Yeah, like wait for the cream. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, like and she's just sitting there. I don't know how she's keeping herself together. Oh yeah, but and he's just like he's intimidating in the most friendly way, and I don't mm-hmm. know how he does it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she uh, goes to her uh, her. I, I don't know if they were married, but her uh, partner partner lover, lover mm-hmm. uh, and they she concocts this plan to burn down the theater with all these Germans in it. Because she has this huge collection of uh, films that are very highly flammable, apparently. Yeah. And they mm-hmm. kind of cut to uh, an old-timey movie where they're like, you can't bring these on train cars. They're so <laughs> flammable. Narrated by Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It was yeah. crazy. There was another really weird cameo that I had to look up because like, there's no way. Um, and I guess we'll get to it later in the movie. But that officer that they call on the phone is like, is that Harvey Keitel? Oh, it is. Yeah. yeah. Harvey Keitel. Yeah. And I was like, no way they got him just to do that. Wait, really? Yeah. 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 I mentioned it to Scott. I said, it's so funny that, that, uh, he'll bring in like these people that he loves working with just for the smallest thing. No, it's the, that's uh, awesome. Yeah. It's the, uh, Reigns commanding officer. Reigns commanding officer is Harvey Keitel. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. I had no idea. But like, it's the same thing where I'm like kind of watching it. I'm like, sounds like Samuel L. Jackson, but it can't. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was just five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and then you look it up and you're like, oh, well, all right. Yeah. What, which movie is it that we just watched or maybe I just watched recently that it's uh, Kurt Russell doing the Wasn't narration? Once upon, a, Once upon a Time in Hollywood? Doesn't yeah. he do yeah, narration that's right. for he like does just the, the last act? Yeah. He does. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's always so funny. I love, I actually really love that Quentin Tarantino has narrators in most of his movies. Yeah. I like having a narrator. Like yeah. it, it's, it's great for whatever you like, especially like for like anything like comic or like it's, it's a good way to just explain something without having to do some sort of weird exposition in the, it whatever. makes, that's why Anchorman was so good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was going to say it makes, uh, especially I guess specific to Tarantino, um, like his movies, they do and don't feel like realistic. Like yeah. I feel like they do and that like he has his characters have these normal everyday conversations that most movies would just not even bother doing. They're just going to cut straight to the point. Um, but he has his characters kind of like do that and just feel so much more lived in. But then he also has ridiculous things happen that could never really happen in real life. And he has narrators and the narrators kind of make it feel almost like a little fantastical. Yeah. Like yeah. This is happening in this other world kind of, you yeah. know, like it's yeah. like a, this storybook being read to you almost. Yeah. And so it has this way of like, uh, like jerking you around a little bit with like really living in this like conversation. That's not like has nothing to do with the plot necessarily, yeah. but it feels very real. And so everything kind of slows down and then it jerks you like, kind of forward like so the plot like is very like Mm -hmm. uh dynamic yeah because of the narrators yep and then yeah and then i think after that where do we get to um uh operation 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 kino Kino. so we get introduced to uh we get introduced to these movies are broken up into chapters yeah right most of tarantino's movies are yeah and this is my favorite chapter oh really i love this chapter i just a big uh fast bender fan yeah, I am. I, I am too. I'm like a Fassbender. huge Michael Fassbender and, fan. And uh, my, Mike, Mike Myers. Myers. Mike Myers, I was yeah. like, like because I, I saw his name come up, and I was like, oh, yeah, he is in this movie. That's really weird <laughs> to see him doing anything but, like, Austin Powers. Yeah, really I mean, Tarantino comedy. had Mike Myers narrate well, what about Pulp Shrek, Fiction. Dude? Did he? Yeah. No. What? No, he didn't. <laughs> uh, you really? I was like, was there even a narrator in that movie? No, he didn't do that. You said it with such conviction that he I had like, it. Narr- he had him narrate it as Shrek. <laughs> oh, <okay>. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember that actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What are you doing with my case? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Scott, he, he, my guy has played so uh, Marcellus Wallace. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did Mark Myers as Shrek was Marcellus Wallace? Yeah. <laughs> I would watch that. <laughs> I'd watch that for sure. There's All right, a, Operation uh, Kino. Tater tots out there that want to uh, tater tots. Tater tots. <laughs> <laughs> we just we tots. just called them tots. Uh, tater tots now. I don't if, think uh, Scott's very involved with our fandom. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
That's what Dan told me. Oh, okay. So, you get all your information from Dan. From Dan, yeah. So Michael Fassbender is this British soldier who, who was it, a German film critic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he is... And he speaks German. Very well. Yeah. Apparently. Uh, and they have a mole, apparently, or a spy, a German spy that's told them that a bunch of a bunch of the SS, like the Nazi top brass, is going to be at this movie premiere, and the venue just got changed, and it's going to be real tight. And like, or actually, I'm sorry, they didn't know that, but they know that they're they're going to try to blow up mm-hmm. apparently the Ritz at this point mm-hmm. and kill a bunch of Nazi officers. Uh, and Mike Myers, and who's the other guy? Is he supposed to be Churchill? I think there? he was supposed. Yeah, to be Yeah, that's what I assumed too. Uh, are giving him this assignment to go meet. Um, what's her name? Uh, Bridget von Hammerschmark. Yeah. yeah. A very uh, well-known, famous uh, uh, German actress. Mm-hmm. And they're going to work with the bastards to yeah. blow up this movie. She had an invite and guests. So she was going to attend the premiere and bring them as guests. And he was going to kind of be like her date. Mm-hmm. So this this movie is this movie premiere is trying to be bombed two different ways. Like, right, yeah. right. Yeah. Because you have operation Kino and Shoshana. Mm-hmm. So there's, if they mess this up, it's on them. At this <laughs> point. So they, uh, we, we sort of, uh, jump, uh, to, uh, uh, Michael Fassbender's character. I forget what his name is. I've forgotten entirely too. Yeah. But uh, he's now with Nito. He's now with the, with the bastards. And, and one of my favorite, uh, one of my favorite lines out of the whole movie is uh, whose idea was it to have this rendezvous in a basement? I know. I love that. And he he goes, well, you know, you don't want to fight in a basement. And he's like, well, she's an actress. She wasn't thinking this was going to be a fight. And he says, well, you don't have to be Stonewall Jackson. No, you don't have to, you don't want to fight in a basement. (laughs) (laughs) I just yeah. love that line so much. Uh, but they are going to rendezvous with Bridget von Hammerschmark in this pub, which is in a basement. Mm-hmm. And when they, uh, like, as they're arriving. And it's it's Michael Fassbender's character, and he's with Hugo S- Stiglitz. Stiglitz, Stiglitz, yes. And, then the and another, another German bastard. Another yeah, German who's joined the bastards. I forgot his name. Yeah. He was Austrian-born. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. uh, Jew, because Stiglitz is not Jewish. He's the only yeah. non-Jewish member of the Bastards. I think I thought the other guy was also just a German who turned. No, he was an Austrian-born Jew, according to Aldo, who uh, got out while the getting was good. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Wiki, I think, is his name. We don't know anyone's name. I'm pretty sure I'm there pre- are too many of them. I'm pretty remember. sure his name is uh, Wilhelm Vicky. Okay. All right. We'll call him Vicky. Yeah. Uh, but I- anyway. Icky Vicky. Icky Vicky. Like from Fairly Odd Parents. Yeah. There was there was supposed to be no Germans in this bar. Like no Germans typically go to this bar. But unfortunately, the bar is literally full of German soldiers. Mm-hmm. There and they are drunk and celebrating. Uh, one of their comrades had a child. Yeah. And they're trying to they're they're hanging out with bridget von hammersmark yeah she's just playing a game with celebrating them. little maximilian maximilian it's a a, a great name apparently according <laughs> to bridget <laughs> and so she would know yeah uh they uh fassbender tries his character he tries to like you know diffuse the situation and max's father uh you know, kind of calls him on his accent. Like your accent's kind of strange Mm -hmm. and you know, they almost get out of it, but there's this SS major who's sitting back in the bar and he too recognizes that there's something wrong with this situation. And that was, it was interesting that like they did almost get out of it because of the way I saw Stiglitz just making such a huge scene and he's yelling and he's like, get out of here. You're not an officer. And I was like, this is going to cause so much trouble. (laughs) But apparently they were just like, all right, yeah, I'll go back. Yeah. Uh, but this major though, um, I think he notices, I think he feels like there's something wrong with the scenario from the get go. Like that's why he inserts himself into it. And he is like a little bit of a, like, I feel like he would be like a Hans Landa wannabe. Mm -hmm. Like he like, you know, 
also like very calculating, very, uh, you know, seems like he's in control of the situation kind of a thing, but not as, and still being not sort of well. charming, but not as well as Lando. And not as charming. Not as not charming. At all. I would call him decidedly not charming, actually. Yeah, <laughs> I liked him. But I, I, <laughs> I actually really liked his character too. And he is charming. Like, I think most people would consider him charming. He's there playing the game with them and laughing, but not, he, he's not as charming as Londa. He just made me uncomfortable, but not in, not in like... I think he's uncomfortable because we know... That's true. Like, that he is a villain in this in this story, you know? Yeah. Um, but they're, they're playing the game, and uh, Michael Fassbender makes the mistake of ordering three beers with the, his, his first three fingers. Right. Well, there's, like, this part, because they... Yeah, he sits down, and he's playing this guessing game with them that the other uh, German soldiers were playing as well. And they go through a whole round of playing with him, and then Michael Fassbender says something to the extent of like, um, you know, like we are old friends and we're here to catch up. And like at this point you are intruding. Yeah, he was like he he needed to just chill out. And I think he would have been fine. He's like like pushing him out. and He's like denying the scotch that he gave him. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. Yeah. And so the the German major kind of well, first he like acts like uh, he's offended and he says like I'm only intruding if if Bridget says I'm intruding and she's like, no, of course you're not. And then he like starts to laugh and he's like, no, of course I'm intruding. Like, I'm just messing with you. Like, no, don't worry about it. Like here, let me get a round of whiskey um, for you guys. And uh, so then they, they kind of go around like whiskey, whiskey, and she sticks to champagne and he's like, I like whiskey. Whiskey does not like me. Um, and so just three whiskeys and then, uh, or it's Fassbender that says three, three whiskeys, three glasses, three yeah, glasses, three yeah. glasses. And he holds up the wrong three, which actually in German, I'm pretty sure is nine hmm. oh, cause they count, uh, they count to 10 on one hand rather than on two. Oh, oh, I didn't know that. Uh, and I think lots of like cultures do that, but that's how Germans do it. Uh, hmm. and so the three is your, your index finger, your middle finger and your thumb, a Yoda hand, a Yoda hand. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of funny. Uh, Michael Fassbender has like said in interviews that he most commonly gets like greeted by passersby on the street with the German three, like people just like, like recognized him in that moment and they just like they'll do like oh three like that's a thing to like you know people do to greet fassbender now that's pretty funny uh but he uh the jig is up uh the the nazi major calls him on it the the gestapo major calls him on it and a gunfight ensues but before that one of the one of the another one of my favorite lines and Mm. zach i think you were saying that it's one of your favorite it is yeah once he calls him out Fassbender just switches back to English. And oh, he I, says like, I love that too. If I'm going to go out, I hope you don't mind if I go out speaking the Kings. Yeah. And he says, by all means or something. And like then that. he finishes, he kind of swirls the scotch and what does he say? Oh, he says, there's a special rung in hell for people who waste good scotch. And since I'm going to be, it seems I'm going to be rapping on the, the door soon. And then he just downs the glass and he goes, damn good stuff, sir. Yeah. <laughs> and then gunfire. It just made me want to be British. <laughs> just like, man, they're so cool. <laughs> uh, so the gunfight ensues, and the only two people who make it out alive are uh, Bridget, Bridget, and, and uh, Maximilian's dad. Yeah. Maximilian's dad. They said his name so many times, and I don't remember. Maybe that's Wilhelm. Not might be. I think he's I think he's Wilhelm because yeah because uh, uh, Aldo calls him Willie yeah mm. and yet Stiglitz and the other guy are dead at this point yeah so they're, we yeah need, they're we all don't dead. need to remember their name yeah. and Bridget ends up shooting him anyways Maximilian's dad yeah they they have this really I like funny standoff I think he's like yeah. we got ourselves a Mexican standoff he's like there needs to be two guns pointed at each other for a standoff and he's like they got grenades you got a gun it's a standoff <laughs> yeah. a Mexican standoff that is not what we agreed to <laughs> and then he talks him down he puts the gun down and they're gonna come down and British just shoots him yeah so they uh they take Bridget to a uh vet mm-hmm and uh because she's been shot in the leg because she's been shot in the leg and they're going to try and figure out aldo's going to try and figure out what what happened but they because it's that night yeah because yeah or it's soon yeah it's soon either that night or the next night that Uh, the premiere is happening but he wants to know like 
is she a turncoat? Like, did she? And he tortures her. Yeah. Like, yeah, he sticks his finger in her bullet wound. And uh, she, she, you know, explains the situation, but says uh, there are two developments that uh, no one, you know, knows about, about Operation Kino yet. The first is that it's changed venues. And the second is that Adolf Hitler himself will be in attendance. Yeah, he's going, I guess, to boost morale, I yeah, think, because yeah. the Allies had landed in France. And yeah. So he wants to. And there's all the rumors of the bear Jew. Yeah. You just want to keep Coming. saying bear they're Jew. setting out cookies and milk for him <laughs> <laughs> for the bear Jew to come. He brings presents of large bats <laughs> <laughs> and dead Nazis. <laughs> uh, so they realize, like, well, we've got to like we've got to make this happen somehow. And so she asks, "Do any of you speak any other language?" And and he says, "Well, I speak of a little bit of Italian, so you know, I'll be your escort." And, uh, you Donnie know, speaks a little, Donnie and, speaks a little Italian and, and Omar speaks the third best Italian. He I says, don't speak any Italian. <laughs> exactly. Third best. <laughs> I, love <laughs> I love the way he says it too. He's like, well, I got a little Italian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man. So they decide like, this is a terrible idea, but they're just going to move forward with it. And hey. meanwhile, Hans, Londa shows up to the tavern and they're kind of inspecting it and he knows that something is not right with the way it went down and he finds Bridget's shoe. And he also well, he finds the note a note. Yeah, and he finds that too. Mm -hmm. yeah. And kissed. And he, he, even though she's a traitor, he's, or he suspects her as a traitor, he still like kisses the napkin that she kissed. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think it was, I think it was a little bit more of a not affection for her, but just like, I think he's an exceptionally proud person. And so whenever he solves something, I think he just gets like, so giddy. This is an interesting development. Like, yeah, this is yeah. fun to figure out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, it's just one big game. To yeah, him. it's he's all just, a game. He just cares about power. Yeah. And like, how can I come out on top? And so, uh, meanwhile, uh, Shoshana and uh, I think his name is Marcel, uh, um, are f fully in the throes of concocting their plan. And mm -hmm. so uh, they're they're ready to burn down this theater. And they're uh, recording a message yeah. that they want to splice into the movie. Yeah. Like right at the climax. Yeah. And that's when they're going to to burn it down, uh -huh. and so they're in they're in full swing, and and we have this like uh, I, I don't want to spend too much time on it, but I love this scene, uh, this song. I I don't even know who it is if it's like I don't know, but it, uh, we're putting out fires with gasoline. There's oh, yeah, this yeah. like montage with uh, her getting ready, and I don't know. It was just a great scene. Yeah, I mean, I really liked it too. Like the song, I don't, I mean, I know it wasn't Bowie, but like he sounded vaguely Bowie-ish, that whole, I, I, it was a good scene too. Um, but they're coming in, the bastards come in with uh, Von Hammersmark and they have dynamite strapped to their legs. Yeah. Uh, and Frau Von Hammersmark has a big plaster cast on that's like in a high heel. <laughs> <laughs> Which she tells people that she got from mountain climbing. Right, yeah. yeah, and they even they meet Landa, and then Landa's like, "Did you mountain climb yesterday? Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like what mountain in Paris? Are you I, yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, he's just he's just toying with them too. Oh like yeah, having the he like, for sure knows everything. Yeah, them. and they're like, uh, Van, uh, Bridget's like, these are my Italian, you know, guests. friends. Yeah, and he just starts speaking to them in Italian. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and they don't know. <laughs> Gorlami. Yeah, yeah. He Gorlami. speaks I think four languages in the in this movie. <laughs> yeah, Hans he does. Hans. Yeah. I love that's uh, might be my favorite part is when he's just messing with them. Let me really hear the music in yeah. it. Yeah. Dominic de Coco. <laughs> <laughs> One more time. Dominic de Coco. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> and he so. takes special note of knowing what seats they're in and yeah. then sends them into the theater. <laughs> One more time. Gorlami. <laughs> yeah, he says it quiet. Yeah. He's so pissed. And yeah. he, he had like he's giving no pretense of an accent. <laughs> he's, like, he's the worst at it. Yeah. He's like, I know the most Italian, so I'll do it. He's, he's, spe <laughs> he's speaking in Italian with a ta Tallahassee accent. Yeah. Yeah. He sends them to their seats, and uh, Eli Roth is like, "Arrivederci." Yeah. And Brad Pitt just goes, "Arrivederci,", Arrivederci. <laughs> and he's like sticking his 
lip out like he's um what's his name the godfather oh, oh yeah like he's Marlon like Marlon Brando, Brando, Brando yeah. or whatever yeah. he's yeah. sticking his lip out like it was i love that i love him in that scene. yeah <laughs> it's hilarious i uh i quote that uh all the time like i'll i'll just tell people like i'll, I'll just say arif derchi yeah like, you know just like, <laughs> like he doesn't that it's just so freaking funny then he sends them to their seats but then he asks bridget for a word and he like kind of brings her into his makeshift office and uh i don't know if you guys noticed but there's some foot action going on <laughs> there is. I never. I told you Tarantino with his Tell feet. us about the time Quint told you personally. <laughs> he told me he's like, "Hey, did you ever notice I have a foot fetish?" <laughs> did you when go you back and rewatch all my movies? All my movies. <laughs> when you met him at the Hollywood Bowl. Yeah. yeah. He he complimented me on my feet. Oh, nice. some damn good feet. Oh, that's impressive. Yeah. Are, are him and Daisy Ridley good friends too? Probably. Does Daisy Ridley have something with feet? No, no just the Hollywood Bowl. Like the Hollywood Bowl. Yeah. yeah, not the same night, but no. She was like, hey, Quentin told me about you. <laughs> <laughs> she, he said, you got real great feet. She's like, let me see him. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think not, you can get Daisy Ridley on RP? I'm sure I could. Just, just be like, hey, remember when you got me to the front page of Reddit? <laughs> Did he do that again? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, uh, he kills Bridget von Hammerschmark. Mm-hmm. Uh, because she's a traitor, which is just so weird. Because that, he like, immediately is becomes a traitor. Yeah. It's like, it's not even like he was like, like it took any time to think about it. He's like, maybe I should let this, he's, he gets out and immediately is like, all right, let's capture them and let's talk about a truce. Yeah. <laughs> and so, did uh, you know that Tarantino's the one who choked her in that scene? It was his hands. No. <laughs> is that real? No. Uh-huh. And he actually chokes her to make it look real. Like, I didn't know. She that. got close to passing out. Yeah. I, I feel like you're making that up. No, 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 no. It's a real, Huh? Huh? Real Didn't fact. Know that either. Well, apparently he was also a cameo in Nation's Pride. He he does some voice in the movie. Which you were telling us off air that Eli Roth, who plays the Bear Jew, directed that short film Nation's he, Pride. He was given three days, and apparently he had like something crazy, like two hundred camera setups, and like like spent all this time. He brought his brother in to co-direct this short for five minutes. Because did you know that Eli Roth is a director? Yeah, 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 yeah. Which I just. That's crazy to me that he put that much time into Nation's Pride. Yeah. Um, but he pulls uh, Ryan Howard, because uh, I've forgotten his name in the, the movie. The Little Man. Yeah, The Little Man. Yeah. Uh, I don't know his real name. Was he their driver? I don't know. Is that how he got him? I don't know. He pulls them out and he leaves uh, Donowitz and... In the... Uh, and the other Donnie. guy. Yeah. Or no, that is Donowitz. I don't know. Oscar. Dominic DeCoco. Yeah. Uh, sure. <laughs> Why do you remember his Italian name? Because he says it like three times. <laughs> Dominic de Coco. Dominic de Coco. Um, he, I think that was Omar. Yeah. Omar. Yeah. Uh, he leaves them in the theater with bomb strapped to them, and they're just kind of sitting there nervously, waiting for them to show back up, and they yeah don't. And he says, "All right, we we can end the war right now. Like I'm not going to make the call if you guarantee some things to me." And he just he wants like. He wants immunity. He this is Hans Landa. Hans Landa. The, yeah. yeah. He wants immunity. He wants an island or something crazy. And like, he wants it to be written that he was in the operation from the start. Um, and then basically they just leave. He leaves the bombs there. Uh, and him and Ryan and, uh, and oh my gosh, I'm forgetting everybody's name. Aldo just drive off. It, what does he say? Uh, what prompts him to say that's a bingo in that one scene? <laughs> oh, I don't remember. It, it was something like, uh, like uh, I, I don't remember exactly what it was. Like he, like, he, he, he just puts together a few different Correctly pieces. guesses yeah. something. Yeah. And they go, yeah. That's a bingo. <laughs> and Am I saying what? it right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We just say bingo. <laughs> and then he's so. Bingo. He's so What pleased. fun. <laughs> <laughs> I also love in that scene where he's like, he's like, oh, you've been interviewing the guys we've let go. He's like, if you think that I haven't been doing that, then like we're not operating on the same level of mutual respect. Like he would like, just like apparently is, has some sort of fascination or respect for Aldo that Aldo yeah. does not have. <laughs> yeah, not at all. <laughs> uh, this, I'm, this is super random, uh, but Eli Roth uh, was credited as the director of Stolz der Nation. Mm. Uh, Nation's Pride, but as under the pseudonym uh, Aloy von Eichberg. Huh. So, like... No idea why. Yeah. I don't know. 
Like, so he directed Nation's Pride under a pseudonym just to make it more realistic, I guess. Interesting. Uh, and so they make a deal with Harvey Keitel. Yeah. <laughs> well, we, we missed what happened with uh, Shoshana, too. I oh, think that comes next, or it's about the same time. It's sort of like right at this time. Yeah. But Zoller goes back up to her uh, <laughs> where she's running the projection. There's also just a hilarious moment when they're all just watching the movie and uh, Hitler's just loving it. <laughs> and he like tells Goebbels, like, this is your best work. And Goebbels just starts crying. <laughs> yeah. And then, like his mistress is like patting his <laughs> yeah, arm. Like, he just is so pathetic. And then Hitler is just laughing at all the Americans <laughs> getting shot yeah. the whole time. Um, and, and Zoller's watching it and he is not enjoying it. Yeah. He seems unhappy. Yeah. I, I think, yeah, I think he's having like some like PTSD yeah. a little bit. Mm -hmm. So he goes to find Shoshana who's up, uh, like operating the, uh, film reels or whatever that's called. And, um, he just starts bothering her and she kills him. Yeah. He, he like forces her way in. He's like, how, how do you still not love me? Like, why, why <laughs> are you yeah. so cold? Do you feel nothing? Like, like he hurts her physically. He's like, it's good to know that you feel something. Yeah. And it's like, you, you're a Nazi. Yeah. And she is not. <laughs> <laughs> That's enough. Yeah. Uh, so and she shoots him. Yeah. She's strapped and she just, she kills him. Not before he rolls over and kills her though. Mm -hmm. And then he falls down dead. And all those gunshots were masked by the movie where there was just, non-stop shooting yeah <laughs> yeah just lots of gunfire mm -hmm. and there's a i really like i like the shot of uh i forget her lover's name but Marcel. He's, sure maybe Marcel. yeah uh he, he like lights up his cigarette and he's standing behind and there's like all the film and he just like flicks the cigarette onto the film and just everything goes up in smoke yeah but uh we sure should because at this point their short film that they uh made is now playing on the um on the big screen and mm -hmm. it says something to the extent of like you're all gonna die tonight this is this is the i want you to look at the jewish girl that killed you yeah mm -hmm. uh but uh donnie and and omar have gotten out and they have these weird shotgun things on their hands and oh yeah yeah they, they're they're just gonna go kill hitler themselves for good measure <laughs> uh, even though like they had a plan and so they go into his box and then they like run up and they kill the guys, they kill Hitler. And then they're just shooting everybody in the theater while the theater is burning. Mm -hmm. And it's just like this ridiculous, like they're just like pointing their guns are shooting for so long. And it, like, it's like goes on for a little too long, but at the same time, it's like, that just makes it more funny. Oh yeah. And then so did they get shooting. out or were they stuck in there? No, 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 because no. they had bombs on their shins yeah. that blew up. Yeah. Uh -huh. They died in the explosion. Mm -hmm. Like this was a suicide mission. Got it. Um, yeah, and so Hitler dies, and so does Goebbels and the other two that apparently they mm -hmm. need. Wait, I thought Hitler moved to Argentina. <laughs> Hitler dies, in quotes. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he definitely, his face got blasted. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, in, in one, you know, sort of like, it's almost more like epilogue than it is anything else. Uh, they... Uh, um, the radio operator and Landa surrender to uh, the little man <laughs> and Aldo the Apache. And uh, they shoot the radio operator and uh, Hans Landa is like screaming. He's, a, he's like, I made a deal for that man's life. You'll be shot for this. And he goes, nah, more like chewed out. I've been chewed out before. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's really just you. <laughs> and then he asks him, he's like, what are you going to do when you, when you're done, you're going to take off that uniform. And then he's like, that's what I thought. And then he carves another, they, it just like cuts him. And it's so brutal. Like I was like, this cringing. is the first time we actually see it. Yeah. Happen. He's yeah. cutting the swastika into his face. And then they just kind of look up like the camera's like looking up at, at, uh, at the little man and Aldo, the Apache. <laughs> and then they're like, he's like, you know what? I think that might be your best one yet. <laughs> and, and that's the movie. And that's the movie. That's Inglorious bastards. Fun time. Fun time. Fun time. Yeah. <laughs> Scott, Scott, when Tyler said fun time, Scott just kind of like threw up his hands a little bit. Like, eh, maybe. <laughs> lots of it, was a, it was a time. Well, I think we've covered most of them as we've gone, but any favorite parts or favorite lines that haven't gotten mentioned? I don't think I had any that hadn't gotten mentioned, but I think most of mine were at the end. I liked the bingo line. Yeah. Um, and I liked the little man. <laughs> they, they call me little man. Yeah. <laughs> 
I love Arrivederci. <laughs> that just that whole conversation is hilarious. And then all of Operation Kino, mm. I love. Yeah, I'm trying to think if there's anything that hasn't been brought up, but I don't. I love, I think my favorite, like, I mean, Brad Pitt's the funniest part of this movie. Yeah. And my favorite part of him is when he's yelling about fighting in the basement. Like, <laughs> yeah. Going back, you don't want to be stolen all Jackson to know. <laughs> you don't want to fight in the basement. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's my favorite, uh, my favorite, like, part and, like, uh, lines. Um, but I, I did just want to say, uh, you know, in regards to like lines, we've talked a lot about dialogue and how Tarantino really stepped up his game. And I think that's probably the way he stepped up his game the most in Inglorious Bastards Mm -hmm. is his dialogue in this is like so terrific. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like every line to me is, is in some way or another, like memorable. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah. Well, uh, do we have any recast that you guys... Oh yeah, could do. No, like, no. Nah, I don't. if you don't, I don't think if you make if you don't make these move this movie with these people, it doesn't work. Like, yeah. and in fact, like Tarantino uh, almost didn't make the movie because he was worried that he could would never find the right person to play Hans Landa. Mm. But then they found Christoph Waltz. Did mm. we talk about how he he wanted Leo at first? No, I forgot to mention that. But he did want Leonardo DiCaprio. That was the first choice. But then they decided to go with a German-born actor. But like, I can't imagine this movie with Leonardo DiCaprio as Landa. No. Which I think is interesting because I think we talked about this on Django. Like Tyler, I, th- I believe you said that Christoph had already had like a pretty successful career in like German cinema, but this was the movie. Even though I saw Django before this movie, I think, but I I knew who Christoph Waltz was when this movie came out because of this movie. Because you know? because of Inglorious, yeah, yeah. And so it's not like you had all these great, like uh, prominent, like maybe German born actors working in American cinema at the time where it's just like, oh, they could have gone with this guy, with this guy. And so Christoph, as a viewer, like as an audience member, feels like this great treasure that they just kind of stumbled upon, you know? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's uh, spin up our servers and uh, give this one uh, a rating. Zach, what would you give this movie? There's not a single thing about this movie that I don't think works perfectly. So I'm going to give it a 10. Wow. Uh, Jake, I'm going to give it a, uh, wow. I don't know. I, I, I might agree with you and I might give it a, a solid 10 sauerkraut sandwiches. <laughs> oh, I forgot to think, put a thing on. Yeah. Uh, uh the servers, it, it, I, I couldn't enter. If you don't your, have units, I need, oh, I need you need, unit. need yeah, some and, uh, units. actually the algorithm is going to do a lot of complex conversion from sauerkraut sandwiches to, <laughs> to, uh, to I'll do 10, uh, uh, like Southerners who think they're really good at Italian, but are really just terrible at Italian. <laughs> That's going to be hard to convert. <laughs> I'm going to give this a uh, 9.7 uh, Nazi scalps. You guys are going to hate me. You're going to go to five, aren't you? No. <laughs> I'm going to give it uh, 8.2 bingos. 8.2. That's it's, lower than I think it should be. It lower than I think it should be, but uh, like... It's exactly what IMDb is. I'm grateful that Scott gave it that. And he yeah, didn't, it's and still, he didn't like. We'll take it. There will be blood. This. Yeah. <laughs> well, Jeez. it's because this is significantly better than there will be. Blood. What would you? I don't do? know that it's significantly better. I think it like. I don't know. What would this need? What, what would this movie need to make it? Like, what's a perfect ten movie for you besides Independence? I don't know Day? if I have any perfect ten movies, but. I mean, there has to be like something you would have like. What? What's your criticism? no? Because then you're saying that there, there can be, never be anything better than that. I don't, your, I don't think that's accurate. I think like you're saying that this 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 excels and is perfect. Like what what's your criticism of it? No, because then you can never rank something higher than that. No, so. but it can still be a, just a, as good. Just as good. Yeah, I don't know. I just I don't give out tens. Okay. So what's your criticism? Uh, Jake, you're, you're not going right, to so get it. Same <laughs> it's never going to happen. You just need to let it go and rest assured that this movie is a 90, 95% on Rotten Potatoes, which is our highest rated movie yet. I don't think we're going to be able to get it. That makes me that. happy. Yeah. Like we're never with, with Scott doling out. <laughs> Eight point two, eight point two, and five. I said I liked it less than Django, and yeah, I yeah, rated yeah. Django like a nine point two. That's fine. 
Yeah, uh, Scott did rate Django a 9.3. So. I'm, I'm happy with the 95. I think that that's appropriate. Yeah. So uh, make sure to uh, let us know what you think. Uh, is uh, Scott right and we're all crazy? Uh, is this movie, you know, not, uh, should not have been the highest movie that we've rated so far? Uh, what is after it? Do you know by chance? I think uh, maybe we, Braveheart. We have a, like Braveheart. a two or three-way tie uh, so we have uh, A Few Good Men and Braveheart were tied at 91%, mm. uh, and then Django at 90%. Wow. I'm really happy this is winning. Yeah, I love this. Like this, like watching it again, I don't know why I haven't been watching it like at least once every couple months since I saw it the first time. <laughs> watching this as frequently as Scott watches uh, Independence Day. Independence Day. Day. Yeah. yeah, Armageddon. Armageddon. I've been thinking about just buying cable just so I can. <laughs> <laughs> like just a Saturday morning. Like so you're you're get, like the opposite of the boomer cord cutter. You're, you're, you're the zoomer like getting cable. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, make sure to tune in next week. Uh, I think we have Zach's movie, which is? Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Ferris Bueller's Day Off, an absolutely quintessential John Hughes movie. Mm -hmm. uh, super excited for that. And uh, so make sure to watch along uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off and uh, and tune in next week. Uh, Jake, do you have any final things that you want to say to Scott for his 8.2? Yeah, you know what, Scott? You can just go. Yeah.